Hi all, dear listeners. Welcome to this new episode of my podcast, A Digital Tomorrow. Today, I'm joined by Henry Chong. Henry is the CEO of Fusang. Welcome, Henry, to my show. Hello, excited to be here. Well, I'm excited to host you as well. And I think it would be fair to start uh, this episode by, well, by talking about you, about your personal uh, journey. So if you could like, please uh, share with my listeners a bit more about your personal journey, uh, what made you decide to enter this uh, digital assets world and anything else that you want to share, actually, that will be more than welcome. Absolutely. Well, maybe uh, just to talk a brief about Fusang today and then talk a bit about how we got to where we're here. Uh, you know, my name is Henry Chong, right? I'm the CEO and founder of Fusang. And Fusang today runs an end-to-end -end digital financial ecosystem for what we like to call security tokens. So tokens that represent traditional assets and securities like shares, bonds, funds, real estate, and, and et cetera. Uh, and really trying to take the same underlying blockchain technology that powers assets like Bitcoin, but using it to represent real assets and securities. And as part of that, we run uh, you know, a couple of licensed entities, uh, you know, technology platforms, and we think that our ability to string all of that together with kind of operational know-how is really what lets us provide this ecosystem to issue lists and trade these kind of tokens. Um, and, and including we, we run platforms and licenses like the Fusang Exchange, most famously, where we're licensed as a full-fledged stock exchange in Labuan, Malaysia, uh, which allows us to act both as the primary listing venue for companies and a company wants to go public. And I can talk a bit about why I think that's important later on. Uh, and also allows us to act as a market frontline regulator. Uh, but we really do all of this because I've always thought that as interesting as digital assets, as cryptocurrencies are, we can't forget the other 99% of world assets out there. That everything in this world, the companies that we work for, uh, the buildings in which we live, at some point can and will be tokenized as well. Uh, and, and this journey all really started from that place. Uh, you know, me and, and, and really Fusang's background and a lot of us who today, uh, you know, the original founders of Fusang, we all come from, you can call it traditional capital markets. Um, and as the crypto industry was really taking off in 2017, I, uh, I got very interested in saying, well, is there a way to blend these two worlds? the world of kind of traditional finance with this very exciting world and the underlying technology of, of cryptocurrencies and other blockchain-based assets. And to me, that's really the future of finance, you know, the, a digital tomorrow, you might call it, which is to say, how do we bring together these worlds? It's not a case of crypto assets totally usurping the traditional world. It's how do we hybridize the two? And to me, a nice analogy is when you look at the internet today, um, when we first started with e-commerce companies and platforms like Amazon, people really viewed it as two very different worlds. You could go to Walmart and buy something in a physical store, or you could go to Amazon and you could buy something online. And it was totally different, uh, you know, customer groups, product segments, everything. And of course, that's all just merged. Today, we don't even really think of it as e-commerce. We just say, I need to buy something, right? And the mass majority of what we buy happens to be online, but hey, that's just the way we do things. It's, no, it's not a unique uh, category or activity. 
And I'm convinced that the same thing is going to happen to the investing side of the equation. Because in today's world, it is easier than ever for a company to go out and sell its products online to a global audience through something like e-commerce. It's easier than ever for a company to communicate with that audience through, let's say, social media. But when those same companies want to go out and fundraise, they need to go and talk to friends and families, or, you know, it's, it's very geographically based, totally different from how they run their businesses, which is very digital, very online, very direct to customer. And I think, and, and really Fusang's entire vision is to say, can we build a platform that will make it as easy for people to invest into the company as it is for them to buy these companies' products online? Uh, and, you know, security tokens, digital assets, to us, that is the right vehicle for us to go out and bring about this vision. And, well, you mentioned uh, this idea of uh, security tokens, and actually, uh, well, Fusang operates uh, Fusang Exchange, which is this uh, mm. uh, regulated uh, stock exchange for security tokens. So, um, could you please let my listeners know a bit about uh, what a stock exchange for security tokens uh, actually means and how it works. Uh, because I mean that I'm, I'm sure that most of my listeners are massively familiar with uh, cryptos and crypto exchanges, but this idea of security tokens might be a bit um, different to them. No? So that's why I, I would like you, if you could Absolutely. please uh, clarify a bit about it. Absolutely. Now, people mean a lot of different things when they say security token, but at least for us, uh, it's, it's very simple. It's can we take a traditional looking security, for example, a share, right, or being a shareholder, and can we start to represent that in tokenized formats, right? We're just using tokenization as a technology layer, a way to make what we're trying to do a bit easier. It doesn't necessarily change the nature of the underlying asset. And I guess really the question that we asked ourselves as Fusang, uh, and the reason why today we operate as, as among other things, a stock exchange is we said, well, what at its very core, what is it that people want to do when they invest into a company and vice versa? When I'm a company and I want to fundraise, why am I doing it exactly? You know, today when we invest into things, let's face it, we often invest because we're hoping to make money, right? We want to buy Bitcoin because we hope it will go up in a week and we will get rich. And that's fine. I actually think, you know, speculation trading is a necessary and healthy part of any market. But the original point of capital markets was capital allocation. It's, mm -hmm. I'm a company. I have an idea for a business I want to create. I need money to go out and create this business. So I'm going to go out and look for investors. Investors give me the capital. I build a business. And if I'm successful, investors get rewarded. That is literally the core premise of capitalism, right? That the free market gets to allocate capital to ideas and businesses that it thinks will be successful and vice versa, that businesses are successful because they are delivering products and services to their customers that meet their customer needs in a better way than anyone else can. Now that very, very core premise of saying, I need to fundraise for a business so that I could build something that serves my customers and then this whole loop starts to work. To me, the, the, the natural place for a lot of these companies to fundraise are from their stakeholders in the very first place. So again, businesses to me are, or at least should be vehicles for delivering value to customers and to all of your stakeholders. And if I can just 
fundraise from that stakeholder group in the first place, suddenly I think I've got something quite interesting. This to me is really what's powering a lot of the ICO markets today. Or at least I hope it is at its core. You know, this idea of saying, I've got this idea for a new blockchain network. Let's take something like Ethereum when it first mm -hmm. started. Um, I, I, I know that any network is only valuable if lots of people are using the network. So how do I incentivize people to be the first few early adopters? Because by definition, I know that my network will not have as much value. And the, the, I guess the ingenuity behind a lot of ICO projects is to say, oh, I will create a native currency and I will use it to incentivize early adopters. So if I'm the first person using Ethereum, it's not much use, but I'm going to do it because I'm hoping that my, my investment will grow in the future. And I think that as messy as sometimes the ICO world is, that is a very, very powerful concept. And if we can take that concept and apply it to securities, like a share, and say, well, what is a company really? As I said, a company is a vehicle for bringing together a bunch of stakeholders, you know, investors, shareholders, uh, employees, suppliers. Uh, we need to go out and deliver products and services to customers that have value. And if we do all this successfully, we get to make money as a business. Our investors get to make money. But what if we can fundraise, especially for new companies, from those potential stakeholder groups in the first place? You know, hey, this is not a new concept, right? This is what powers things like Kickstarter. The problem is it's only halfway, right? I can help fundraise for a business that I think would add value to my life. And sure, I get maybe an early prototype or project, but if that business works, I don't really get the upside. Um, you know, a great example is Oculus, you know, the makers of, of the VR headset. Mm. Um, they did a Kickstarter campaign, one of the most successful in history, within if I'm not mistaken, about 18 months, sold to Facebook for a few billion dollars. And what did the early Kickstarter uh, backers get? A half-working prototype, right? They didn't get any of this upside from this massive exit to Facebook. But what if they had both gotten a prototype and they'd also gotten some kind of equity in Oculus? That would have been fantastic for mm -hmm. them. And that, to me, is really where all of us should be thinking about, right? Hey, I want to start a business. I need to fundraise. How can I directly bring in the, the very stakeholders on which my business will depend for survival? How do I incentivize them to not only come and give me money so I can start a business, but also incentivize them to be the first and early participants of my company, of my network, my first clients, my first customers, even my first employees. And if we can do that and we can use tokenization technology, right, to create these security tokens, uh, I think we will be able to run massively successful businesses. So, I mean, there is no doubt that uh, security tokens, based on what you said, can actually play a huge role. But would you say that uh, security tokens are actually the future of traditional financial markets? Would you say that we are going uh, there? Again, I think we need to separate a few layers, right? Um, to me, uh, and especially in the blockchain world, we often combine what I call the asset layer, what, what the thing is, with the technology layer. And it's understandable why people do this, because when you have something like Bitcoin that exists only on the blockchain as a native instrument, the technology and the asset are intrinsically inseparable. So fair enough. But when we have something like a security token that let's say represents shares in a company, we need to think of these as different layers. We need to say, okay, well, what's the underlying asset? Okay, maybe it's shares in the company. Maybe it's a shares in a company like Fusang. 
okay, then well, what is the technology wrapper, right? How exactly am I representing these securities? My technology could be paper, right? It could be a digital blockchain-based token. It doesn't really matter. The technology is only there to enable um, a certain kind of trans transaction mechanism or use case. So you've got asset layer and you've got the technology layer. And then the third layer is, okay, can I use potentially the, the, the tokenization and the way in which I can more easily transfer these tokens around? Can I use this to number three, power a group of stakeholders around my company to align incentives so that not only it's good for kind of my, my financial investment, right, my valuation of my equity, but it also actually helps me build a business in the first place. And to me, the, the companies needing to think in this holistic way is inevitable. The technology is just a layer. And whether, you know, that technology can and will change and evolve over time, inevitably. No different than we've moved from pieces of paper, shares to PDF share certificates to now blockchain-based tokens. Uh, a few months ago, in, in January, you were like uh, all over the media because uh, you received green light for a, a US dollar 10 million uh, equity token IPO, uh, while other uh, companies uh, issued security tokens, uh, security token offerings. Uh, in the past, uh, Fusang, if I'm not mistaken, uh, will be the world's uh, first IPO of equity tokens. Uh, that are fully regulated. So uh, I wanted to ask you, uh, first of all, if you could please uh, share something with my listeners about this uh, yes. IPO. And then um, what's the importance you think about being fully regulated in this DeFi area? And where is Fusang regulated? Uh, if you could uh, as well share something about that. Yeah. Well, to me, regulation is what I call a necessary but not sufficient condition. Um, I, I, I really hope that as digital markets evolve, that this is almost something we stop talking about, right? We say, well, yes, we, there are rules, like it or not, and we've got to follow them. That should be table stakes. Um, and, and I hope that just as much as companies, issuers, platforms are trying to do things in a regulated and compliant way, that issuers also start to take some responsibility for themselves and uh, choose to invest with both assets and platforms that are regulated. And again, that this just becomes kind of table stakes. To me, the, the better question that people should be asking on top of that is, never mind whether my asset is kind of compliant or not, what am I actually getting when I buy this token? As I said, one, one question is, well, what's the underlying company? So someone like Fusang, if these tokens represent shares in our company, do I want to invest into this company, right? Very basic question, we can't forget to ask. But also number two, if I am buying this token, what is the actual kind of legal format that I'm getting? Am I buying into an equity token that is backed by a piece of paper somewhere else? So it's kind of like a, like a stable coin. Am I buying into some kind of contractual rights where this token gives me the rights to, to profits that the company makes? Is it a derivative? Or is it that this token actually directly represents a share in the company? And if I own the token, I'm registered as a shareholder. Now, again, there are lots of ways of skinning the cat, but at least for Fusang, we've always thought that that last option of saying we don't need to touch anything about the legal nature of being a shareholder. The problem is the paperwork. And if we can just convert from having these pieces of paper representing shares to having digital tokens, we can already start to enable all kinds of exciting things. 
Uh, and yes, that's what we've done for Fusang ourselves, where we swapped out all of our paper share certs. Uh, you can view on the blockchain today, if you've got a, let's say, Etherscan and, and, and search for Fusang, you can see that we've issued all of our tokens or shares online. And we use the blockchain as a way of conveniently tracking tokens of shares, right? Allowing people to transfer the shares from person to person, everything that I think the blockchain should be used for. Um, but still, like not trying to get away from the fact that these are shares. And you know, hey, that has pros and cons for any company. If I'm issuing ICO tokens that actually are not backed by anything, but don't represent my equity, mm -hmm. I don't really care. I can just print these things, distribute them, and yield farming, and et cetera. And again, all of these things are interesting concepts. I think there's still much to be said for a customer going in and saying, I want to buy shares in a company, equity. I want to buy into the same shares that me as a founder might get or our investors or our employees because you know when we, we have a startup in silicon valley we take it as a given that uh, it's a good idea to give equity to employees so that you can help to align interest but i think it's just as important to think about how can i align my interest with my customers if my customers don't like me and pay me money i don't have a business right if if my suppliers stop supplying stuff to me I don't have a business. And I think that people can and should take a much more holistic view of what it means to be able to take all of these stakeholders, align interests with them, and most importantly, try and convert these stakeholders into actual shareholders of my company. And the reason why uh, we said it's important for us to do an IPO for our company is just because that is the, the way in which you need to be able to wrap assets in a compliant way today. If I want to have a company shares and I want to allow members of the public to come and buy those shares, I need to be able to go public on a stock exchange somewhere. Right? That's why Fusang has set up the infrastructure we have and got licensed in the way we have. That's just the way that the process works today. Uh, unfortunately, uh, you know, recently we decided actually to defer our IPO. Uh, we said, look, markets, they are very volatile. There's a lot going on in the world. Um, and actually, I hope that when people see us behaving like this, it's because they say, oh, actually, this is not just some random token that Fusang is selling. Uh, these are shares in their company. And like any public company, we need to make sure that we look after our shareholders, look after the people who actually own and help run our company, especially because a lot of these shareholders are our customers, they're our employees, and et cetera. And it's very important that we behave as a little bit more of a grown-up, you know, uh, rather than just kind of wanting to dump and sell tokens out into the market. Um, and actually, um, you know, we, we announced that we would do this deferment a few weeks ago and kind of wait until markets settle down again uh, before going off and actually relaunching the IPO. Uh, and it's very interesting to see, I think, the media response to this um, because it was a lot more positive than I would have imagined. Right? I think a lot of people appreciated the reasons for why we're doing this and appreciated that, you know, our whole vision as a company is to say, well, can we help take assets and take companies, take investors that couldn't quite get access to each other, right? And allow them to, in a much more democratized fashion, be able to both invest and fundraise, right? The two sides. Um, and that it's very important that if this is the actual principle on which our company is built, that we aren't just operating in a mode of, hey, let's do something and dump it on the public markets and we've got it out, we've made our money and the poor individual investors, the ones left holding the bag. 
Uh, and I honestly think that if everyone in the crypto industry starts thinking a little less about short-term kind of you know, profit and, and bottom line and starts thinking a little more about, hey, how am I actually serving my stakeholders? The entire industry is going to move a lot further, a lot faster. Mm. No, I fully concur with you. I think um, it makes perfect sense what you did. It shows that you, you value transparency and, and your shareholders' uh, interests. And I also agree when it comes to the idea that um, the crypto industry tends to think sometimes like maybe too short uh, term. I know this is a very fast changing environment. It's a very fast changing industry. So I know I'm aware that it's difficult to think like uh, like in five years from today. It's much, much more difficult than, let's say, in traditional banking. I know that. But at the same time, I think that one of the issues, at least from my perspective, that some crypto projects have is precisely that of just uh, thinking, let's say, in one, two, three or six months from today, you know, when there is yeah. like a future after that. Exactly. You know, uh, Jeff Bezos has this famous line where he says, especially in fast moving high technology industries, it becomes especially important to focus on the things that don't change. Right, so uh, you know, Amazon built Amazon Prime because they said, well, what doesn't change? Customers always want faster shipping, cheaper prices, greater product selection. How can we focus on those aspects for them? And you know, crypto is probably the fastest moving industry that at least I've ever come across. And yes, it is very easy to get caught up in kind of the hot tech trends, let's say. It's very easy to get caught up, as we were saying earlier, looking at the technology layer and forgetting about the underlying asset layer. Hey, what am I actually buying? What does this token really represent? And asking those hard questions that any investor should ask. And at least for us, Fusang is the platform. Uh, we don't plan to go anywhere, right? To us, this is a multi-year project, trying to see how we can take that other 99% of world assets, the shares, bonds, funds, the publicly listed companies that we see today and how we're going to digitize all of that. This is not something that's going to happen overnight. Uh, you know, there's this recent industry report that got put out um, by its consulting firm, Quinn & Associates, um, and they kind of looked at the you know, security tokens and they, and they estimate that by the year 2030, 25%, a quarter of all publicly listed companies will be tokenized. So instead of having paper shares, they'll have digital yeah. tokens. Now that's massive, right? That's only yes, about yes. seven and a half years away. And that's a four trillion US dollar issuance volume. But if you flip that around, that also means that by 2030, 75%, the vast majority of public companies will not have tokenized, will still have pieces of paper flying around, the vast majority. And hey, by 2030, half of us will probably be living in the metaverse, right? So, you know, um, things take time. Things take longer than you might think, right? How long will it be before the majority of publicly listed companies are tokenized? Who knows? It could be 10, 15, 20 years. Um, and at least for Fusang, we're happy to build for the long term because we do think that this is an inevitable future. But the reason why I mentioned that it's important to focus on the things that don't change is no matter what the tech is, no matter what even the asset is that you're focusing on, I'm convinced that customers will always want to interact with a platform that they think they can trust. They're always going to want to interact with a platform that, you know, as I said, in a very basic sense, checks boxes so that they're compliant and they can be 
marketing. And I think they're always going to want to invest in a platform that they feel not only is this platform looking out for my interests, I actually feel like I could have a stake in the platform in a way that if I as a customer come and I add value to a platform and, you know, we Fusang as an exchange, we're a network like any other business, right? We need mm-hmm. the more users come and trade, the more companies come and list. We not only get value, right? We charge fees, but they add value to each other. And I really hope that the people come and interact with our platforms and ecosystems really get that feeling when they say, I know that I'm contributing value, not only to Fusang, but into this network. And I also feel like I'm getting value out in return. I, I know that if I'm contributing, I'm directly rewarded. Again, to me, that is the right way to build a business, not only in terms of a you know, touchy-feely sense, but in a very direct financial sense. I agree. I, I think that trust is uh, basic. And I think that you are... Uh doing that very well i mean at least based from from my standpoint last year for example um i remember you created this community where which people could join um, on the internet and then uh, you invited uh, experts to to deliver talks on certain topics you actually invited me to give a talk on central bank digital currencies i think it was yes. in may and i think that was great not to create this idea of community and, and you created as well these telegram uh, groups where people uh, ask their questions and I mean, I think it's important, of course, to have like the latest um, state of the art technology, but you need also to show people that you care about them. Because whenever I see any company, startup or not startup, it doesn't matter, that they showcase how good their tech is, but at the same time, uh, it's kind of impossible to talk to anyone in there because you feel like everything is a huge bot. Uh, well, you will yeah. uh, quite likely uh, not. Uh, you will quite likely decide not to interact with them further, no, because you will think that uh, what if something happens? And what kind of trust can you get out from that? No, even if their tech seems to be the best one. So I think that trust is indeed very important. Of course. And, you know, to me, that's a great example of things that we're always trying to experiment with, right? Um, even in terms of thinking about how we interact with our community and etc., these are constantly things that we're trying to think through. What is the best way to do it? And as you said, technology platforms are constantly evolving. And, I mean, we've run all kinds of experiments in terms of different social media platforms and how we interact with customers. Not all of them are going to work, quite frankly. Um, but I, and that's why I think it's so important for a business to not get caught up in kind of technology, right? We try tech all the time. We try experiments and most of the time those don't work. That's not important. What's important is us focusing on what doesn't change, which is what is it that our customer really needs, right? They, they don't care at some level what the technology is. They care about, well, if I come to a platform like Fusong, can I come and invest into exciting assets? Uh, can I do so in a way that gives me trust, a sense of confidence, not just because it regulates it, but because I genuinely trust you as a platform. Uh, do I feel like I'm actually getting value out of the platform in return for coming and injecting platform into the network? To me, those are things that are never going to change, no matter what kind of platform that you're running. And that's what businesses, and I hope also what investors are going to focus on, as opposed to just getting caught up in tech. Mm-hmm. And back to, to the security tokens and, and the IPO, um, those tokens, are they issued on the Ethereum uh, blockchain? And if so, uh, what would be the advantages for you to, to use uh, that uh, blockchain, the Ethereum? Mm-hmm. Uh, so today we issue a lot of our security tokens on the Ethereum blockchain, including Fusang's own shares or equity tokens. 
quite frankly, we picked Ethereum because it is by far the most popular blockchain today, dominates the world, quite frankly. Um, you know, in, in, in theory, though, we are a technology agnostic exchange. People can to come to us with different types of assets and how people choose to structure those assets can vary. Just like how, you know, people can will set up companies in different jurisdictions and, and then a lot of that's going to be driven by the issue of the company. Um, that said, you know, to me, when I look at a lot of the blockchains out there, I worry that they're sometimes kind of focused on the wrong thing, as I said, right? They're focused on just, can we increase transactions per second or all kinds of other technological advances, let's call it, and not always saying, well, what actually is the use case that people are trying to build for on my blockchain? What do they really need to get out of it? Including, uh, I worry that too often in, in the blockchain space, people fail to ask the question of, do I even need a blockchain in the first place? And, and also, I guess, conversely, does my customer even care, right? Again, customers want to transact easily, cheaply, quickly, trusted platform in a way that is simple and clear to understand and operates. Sometimes it makes total sense to put data on a blockchain. Sometimes it doesn't. Um, and and Fusang, our platform today, uh, if you look at it holistically, in a sense, is a bit of a hybrid, right? Uh, on one side, we've got... Um, you know, we, we, we tokenize assets like our shares on the Ethereum blockchain. But, you know, when we run things like KYC, the way in which we verify client identity or store client identity, we do a lot of that uh, in a centralized format because it's quite hard today still to stick private information like identity on a lot of blockchains. Again, to us, the important thing is saying, do we use the right technology at the right time to solve for customer needs? Um, and I honestly think that you know the blockchain space is the most exciting thing to happen to financial markets since a very long time. Uh, when you think about the epochs of evolution, it's not often that these kind of core concepts come along that really redefine the way in which we even interact, right? You know, there, there are a lot of ways that make linear improvements. Okay, we used to have to send wire transfer forms by filling in a form, now I can log in online and doing it. That's great but it's not the same kind of innovation as the joint stock company, for example. The first time I really think that blockchain is going to enable us to revolutionize a lot of these concepts, but we need to be very, very careful, as I said, of focusing on what's the value layer we're delivering, and we're not just kind of trying to use new technology for the sake of it. Well, actually, I think you pretty much summarized um, one of the main issues when it comes to, to startups and, and other companies adopting blockchain, you know, which is, um, do they really need to use blockchain? I mean, there is no doubt that uh, blockchain is an amazing technology which is changing the world in many different ways. But at the same time, based on my work as a fintech advisor and mentoring startups, I feel like sometimes in, in some cases, uh, rather than thinking of what use case uh, they have, certain companies, they just want to use blockchain. And I've been in a situation where some of these companies, they they told me, look, I want to use blockchain. Why? Well, I don't know. I mean, everyone's using blockchain. I think, you know, you need to dig deeper, no? Because yeah. if you have an actual exactly. use case, of course, blockchain is amazing, no? But you need to make sure that that, uh, that in your case, blockchain will actually mean something because we all know that it can make processes much more transparent, efficient, but you actually need to have a process to make more efficient, no, in order for you to use it. So I think uh, that's, that's um, well, a good point to make. And I agree with you that this is actually one of the main uh, issues now when it comes to uh, to talking about blockchain and startups exactly. and of course asking the hard question of am i 
putting blockchain into my company pitch just because I think it'll help me fundraise. As you say, that kind of short-term thinking as opposed to really saying, is this going to help me build a business? Is this going to deliver value of my customer needs? Yes, I've seen this kind of uh, pitch decks as well where uh, you saw that 91, 99% at least you know, of the company was not based on blockchain, but then you saw that uh, part about blockchain, which you suspected and, and you could clearly see that it was simply added there you no know, to to appear to, to showcase that they are maybe more uh, much more trendy and try to, to attract investors and i think well blockchain is of course very interesting but it's much more than that yes exactly and well before uh, wrapping up our discussion i would like to ask you a very general question it's not related specifically to fusang but more about the industry i guess mm -hmm. and well i know that you don't have a crystal ball i mean none, none of us do but still uh being where we are now uh, given where we were like two years ago and, and, and everything else, uh, where do you see the, the future of the uh, crypto, blockchain, DeFi industry in, let's say, uh, five years from today? As I said, I am trying to figure out exactly technology, timeframes, etc. hard, and I certainly don't have a crystal ball. Um, what I am convinced, right, the kind of things that we've been willing to build upon and really build our whole business on is to say, well, what are things I think are going to inevitably change? When, even how, don't know. But what do I think must change? When I look, for example, at the way in which we record securities today, but we have these pieces of paper that represent shares, doesn't make any sense. And, you know, by the way, a lot of people, you know, even if I have a PDF of a share certificate, to me, that's still paper, right? It's, it's a picture of a piece of paper. It's not machine interactable. So will we end up in 10 years time, uh, you know, where half of us are living in the metaverse, but half of us are living in Elon Musk's moon colony, but we still have pieces of paper? I can't imagine that, right? I can't imagine that everything in the world will be digitized as somehow the actual value that we have, our companies, our homes, our et cetera, still are represented by pieces of paper. It's not gonna happen. And I'm convinced that again, tokenization and, and representing these assets on blockchain makes a lot of sense. So I know that for a fact. I also believe though, that it is very important that when we create these assets, that we still do so in the context of existing regulatory frameworks. The reality is that there are very few assets you can own in the world today outside of cryptocurrencies that are anonymous in nature, right? If I, whether I buy a home or I buy a share in a company, these things intrinsically need to be linked to identity. And like it or not, this is the way the world works today. And when I think about those two pieces, we say we've got a context of kind of regulation and we have a context of needing to kind of create real assets bound to a real identity. And we match that with this belief that I have, which is one half and a half pieces of paper representing shares and securities, well, what is the confluence of those factors? Security tokens, as I've been talking about, are really our belief in terms of how this market will evolve. And the reason why we've built all of the infrastructure and ecosystems we have is because we're willing to bet on that future. But how long it takes, I honestly don't know. And I think that for companies like us, companies in very you know, emerging industries, it's important that we're willing to plan for the long term and almost be patient to build and grow and wait for that inevitable future to arrive. Well, uh, thank you very much, Henry, for sharing uh, all this and well, in general for spending this uh, half an hour with me uh, discussing all these uh, interesting topics. Uh, unfortunately, we're running out of time, so 
we will need to wrap up our discussion for today. But as I said, it's been an absolute pleasure. And you know that uh, if you ever want to, to come back to my podcast in the future, you are, of course, more than invited because I'm sure that uh, both I and my listeners will uh, enjoy and learn a lot from listening and re-listening to this episode. Yeah, absolutely. No, thank you very much for having me today and looking forward to talking again soon. Well, as I said, Henry, it's been my, my pleasure. And to all my listeners, thank you very much for listening to this episode and please stay tuned for the next ones. See you soon. Bye all.